You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 747 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. And joining me this evening to talk about whatever we decide to talk about, the great Tyler Jones is here. Hello, sir. How you doing? How you holding up, Brad? It's uh, been a pretty... (laughs) I don't know, because, I mean, on one hand, I get to play, I get to do anything I want and work from home. That's nice. But on the other, man, I want to go outside. This sucks. Yeah, I I mean... I take away. I'm in an apartment, so it's pretty confined. I'm doing fine, by the way. I, it, I mean, I'm working from home. It's all things, all things considered, I'm, I'm just fine. Um, it's not fun for anybody, but I'm doing all right. I, I do wish that I had a backyard right about now, but I don't. Um, other than that, I'm, I'm cool. I mean, I, I wish there were sports because a lot of my livelihood is tied to sports. But yeah, here we are. <laughs> uh, we're making it work, though. We're, we're living the dream here. Um, but you know, we've. I think it was about a month ago last time you and I talked. In fact, I went back and looked. It was the it was basically I recorded an episode the night that everything came to a screeching halt. Um, the Hawks were playing a game that no one cared about because Rudy Gobert tested positive, all that stuff. And then the, the next podcast I did was me and you kind of just riffing. And it's been about a month now. Uh, a lot has changed and also very little has changed at the same time. Um, other than people have been inside. Um, there's still a lot of uncertainty. And we'll, we'll touch on that later, but um, it's been a while. So one thing that I wanted to start with, sort of, we'll talk, we're going to talk about basketball for the most part, which is fun for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we'll start with, with a basketball topic, and uh, you replied to me. I had Robbie Cowan on last week talk about a bunch of 2010s Hawks stuff. And, you know, our premise for one of the shows was trying to figure out who the second best team was of the uh, the last you know, 15 years or so of Hawks basketball. And uh, you surprised me by saying that actually one of the teams that we referenced on that podcast is the number one team, not number two. And uh, I'm going to clear the way for you to argue on behalf of the 29 of the 2009, 2010 Hawks, because you think they're better than 2014, 15. Is that what I'm hearing? I think if you put them in a series, they have played seven games. I think 09, 10 team um, beats the 14, 15 squad. Um, when, like when does the game happen? Game is, 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 this, is this series happening when Tabo's already been injured and everybody's hurt in, in May? Mm-hmm. Or no, is it no, before? no, because that, that, that's not fair. <laughs> that's not fair because, like, they were a different team. That that twenty, The Hawks' 14-15, 20-game stretch by far is that, – that version of the Hawks was the best uh, team of the last – maybe ever the Hawks I mean, they went 33-2 they went and two in a 35-game span. Yeah, they were, they were incredible, but – even then, my I think my primary thought during this stretch run was like, man, what if Mike Budenholzer was coaching prime Joe Johnson and Marvin Williams, who that, like, you look up and down that roster 0-9-10, there were a lot of guys who had really good years. Like, not just uh, Al Horford, that was his first year making the all-star team, and Joe Johnson, who was still well in his prime, but Jamal, you know, you guys touched on this. Jamal Crawford had a career year. 
Uh, Mo Evans had a career year. Zaza Pachulia was, I mean, Zaza Pachulia was always steady, but like after, like once the Hawks lost Zaza Pachulia, they sneakily never replaced him. At least like what he, he did, never, yeah. I mean, he had that, yeah, they was never that rugged, found, physical thing. Yeah. They never found that again. And what sucks is Woodson didn't realize Pachuli was good. So that kind of hurt them a bit more. I, I just felt like, to me, it just felt like, you know, if the coaching was equal, I think 0-9-10 is by far the best team. Uh, but, you know, coaching wasn't equal. So it's probably a close series. But I, I just think that at the end of the day, I don't know, 14, like, it's not fair, because during an 82-game season, it was clear that the 14-15 team was a better team, but right. if you just if we're just putting two teams playing against each other, I don't know if, like, Tabo, Tabo's going to have, Tabo might be able to stop Joe Johnson. Maybe. At least slow him down. I mean, Tabo was very good that year before he got hurt, which people always forget. But, I mean, it's it's worth pointing out, this is the best offense the Hawks have had in my lifetime, basically. That 2009-10 team finished second in the league in offensive rating. They were really, really good on offense. And part of that is that they had Joe, and they had, of course, Josh now. But, you know, as, as you said, Jamal Crawford was, like, the best he's ever been, basically. He was 29. He was in his prime. He was actually efficient, which Jamal rarely ever was. But he was that year. And he could get buckets in a big way. And Marvin was the fifth guy on that team, like very comfortably, maybe even sixth guy. He factored Mike Bibby offensively. So it's, um, I don't think you're crazy. I, I do think that 14 15 is the best team. Um, and, you know, I have to bring this up. I brought it up with Robbie, but the way that 2010 season ended um, was actually oh, far worse than the Cavs ruined, series. Ruined, ruined, like functionally ruined that team forever. Like what Joe Johnson did. I mean, what they all did. I mean, they, they, lo- they lost by an average of like 30 points a game in the series. It was, it was embarrassing. So imba- like, how is it the two best teams <laughs> that the Hawks have had in the last 20 years, both got their butts kicked when it mattered most. Like it's, it's incredible. Like, and it's, I mean, that 9 10 had the, to me, that team had the pieces to play different styles. It's just that again, you know, the coaching wasn't there. Whereas 14, 15, like they can only go one way. Like their defense was designed to trap hard um, and scramble, a lot of scrambling. And I mean, the Cavs kind of exposed them with, yeah, uh, with their ability to just make three pointers. Like, and Channing Fry just ate them up. Channing Fry, Kevin Love, Tristan Thompson absolutely destroyed everything the Hawks tried to do on both ends of the floor. They couldn't grab rebounds, they couldn't stop Kyrie Irving from getting into the lane. They couldn't stop LeBron James. I mean, defense <laughs> broke down and then, you know. It wasn't a lot of fun. Let's just say yeah. that. Not a and, lot then, of fun. and then on the other end on offense, they just didn't have they just didn't have a guy. Like and that got exposed. And that um, like Kyle, I said that is the really the argument for the best argument for the O nine ten team is that they had Joe. And, you know, I do think that in some circumstances that kind of ISO scoring can be a little bit overrated, but in a playoff series and, you know, that team, you know, it still worked out very well for most of that year and they did have real talent, but Joe is obviously the number, the, the best shot creator on either team there. Um, just as a single, like 
late shot clock, one-on-one shot creator. He's the best guy the Hawks have had since Dominique at doing that, until Trey Young anyway. Um, yeah, until Trey Young came and was just better. So <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I mean, in this era when they were actually good yeah, and they're not good yet, absolutely, um, absolutely. Joe Joe was the obviously pretty clear with the number one, just pure shot creator in the whole era. So having him on that team is an argument, and that's honestly why I think I would argue, and I did argue for the uh, for the lockout season, um, well, the late start season, whatever it was, because um, that that team had Joe and it also had. Um, like Jeff being better by then and also had Marvin two years older. And I, I like that team better. Um, it's still, that's one of those things where they lost in the first round too. So it's, uh, you know, pros and cons, but yeah. it's, you know, we, 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 we don't have to do it all again, but playoff success always eluded. Uh, regardless the, Atla- who, the Atlanta what, sports what world. The, yeah. Well, just the Hawks in particular. I, we don't. We don't need to get to the other franchises. I know you. I know. You, I know you've given up on the Falcons already. You, you quit. You quit on the Falcons. Do you still care about the Braves at this point? I meant to ask you that earlier. I mean, as long as Dansby Swanson's still swinging a bat for them, I, they, you know, they got my, they got my attention. You know, Marietta, Marietta's own. Uh, yep, I, I think go. I've mentioned this on this podcast that you know he, he's two years younger than me. We uh, went to the same high school. He's cool guys. Super. He's a crazy athlete. That's the thing. You know, it makes sense that he's a shortstop in, in, in um, you know, professional league shortstop. But uh, he was a great basketball player. Um, kinda, well, a, lot, took, a lot of these guys are great basketball yeah. players. Like Jeff Rancor, I would say it's about like Jeff Rancor would have been the best basketball player at my high school, and he didn't play basketball. Like he played until he was in high school, and then he quit because he was playing bat- football and baseball. But he would have been the best basketball player in the school. It's just kind of what happens. Funny, now that I think about it, I probably, I don't know why nobody asked him to play football, because uh, we definitely, he definitely needed a quarterback. Uh, that's, we, we're getting too deep in the weeds, but it's regardless, okay. uh, you know, the Braves still got him until, you know, Dansby stops playing from then. I can, <laughs> then I can quit them, boys. Then you're out. I can be free. But, oh, man, quitting the Falcons was fun. It's good. It's healthy. Like, yeah, I, I wish I could do it. I wish I, I could do it. Brad, really do. Brad, they didn't fire their head coach. No, after, it's it's unbelievable. After being a, a team that's trying to make the play, like trying to win a Super Bowl title, they don't even make the playoffs, and the coach doesn't get fired because they win, win six meaningless games when they were out of playoff contention. Like it was, it was the most Atlanta incredible. thing imaginable. I uh, I think I'm gonna do. I think I'm actually gonna, this week later on gonna do a little bit of Falcons talk on this podcast because it's draft week and I have a guest coming on. But um, they yeah, they're gonna trade up again. Yeah, I was gonna say this is what this is what happens to me, and I, I said this to you offline. I think I've said it on the podcast too, but like the Falcons are the only team I have still that is just I'm just a fan. I don't cover them. Like I, I write about the NFL some, but not like specifically the Falcons. So I can be a crazy person. I can be a fan and not have to worry about it. And uh, they drive me insane. They really do. I don't know so. if I said this on the podcast, but after twenty-eight to three, um. <laughs> You gotta understand that was my birthday week. Like I, I had came home. Like I was, I was working in Memphis. Um, I'm back in Memphis now, but I had gone back and forth. But before then, I, I took the day off from work. Uh, I, I already told my boss like I'm not gonna be coming to work on Monday because, you know, we're gonna live it up. You know, because I, I, I was confident that the Falcons were gonna win. Like defense, they finally had a good defense, and the offense was unstoppable with Kyle Shanahan. I was like, the Patriots aren't gonna like me. We're gonna bust their ass. <laughs> sorry, sorry to cut but like I was excited. I was like, yo, we got plans. Like, 
like I'm taking that Monday off, and if and if it, things go the way they go, I'm probably gonna take Tuesday and Wednesday off too. So I'm like, we about to get lit. It's twenty eight to three. I am about to be like, yo, let's we gotta hit the town now. Like me and my partners all came to my house. We watching the game. It's like it's the third quarter, twenty eight three. I'm like, game's over, bro. We gotta go. We gotta go get into the heart of the city, man. We, cause we, I live about thirty minutes out of Atlanta, so like we were about to live it up. And then you know, the Patriots come back, and like my friends are stunned. Like we're all stunned, and I'm like I'm not even mad. That's the funny thing. I'm not even mad anymore. I'm like, you know what? I'm done. <laughs> Why? If if, if, if if like my friends just left, I was like point i was like i should make the six hours drive to get to work on monday i can probably make it but that was my thought process I if, was we're about be, if, if we're being honest i mean quitting quitting right then and there was probably the rational thing to do it's just i, I can't do it and i i but i kind of admire people that can so uh you know there's nothing but pain there really is nothing but pain so it was a. I have my own travel. I went and saw, I went and watched the game with my brother. Um, he was actually living in Nashville. We met halfway, um, so I, I had about a two-hour drive home after that game, and I didn't say a word. I don't think. Um, nope. That's the thing. We didn't say anything to each other except, "All right, I'm out." And my friends just left. Like they just walked out the. Just got in the car, and that was it. Yeah, just got in the cars and and went home. And I'm I'm just watching the game. And I'm like, we were going to hit the town up. Like we, I was about to spend stupid amounts of money, like blow all my savings. So I guess it was a good thing that the Haw- the Falcons, you know. Yeah, they they saved us some money. That's all that matters in the in yeah. this thing. So you know they they've done done a pretty <laughs> good solid for me, but that 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 one sucked. And then they, you know, they let Kyle Shanahan go and kept Dan Quinn. I was like, all right, well. And they I would say uh, an under an underrated loss the following year when they uh, couldn't score from the one yard line against Philly. That was an underrated loss now because well, everybody was so again, already. But the, the thing the thing is, what's funny is that because I don't watch the games anymore. Like that's the thing. Like you know, I didn't just quit them right then. They it was a gradual quit. Where I was like, all right, I'm not just gonna, I'm not gonna go out of my way to watch these games anymore. So I don't follow them week to week. I didn't really care who they draft. And then, like, at some point, you're just like, uh, you know, they're not that good. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I spent, I've spent the past 15-plus years being a Falcons fan, and they've hurt me in a variety of different ways uh, and embarrassed me in a variety of different ways. But nothing ever is going to top 28-3. to three. So well said, and well my, my, whole pro- my whole thing was, like, they'll get me back if they make it back to the Super Bowl. Maybe. Uh, that's it. That's the only thing. Cause like, if they don't do that, like, why should I care personally? <laughs> um, I get it. I really do. I, uh, and I don't blame you any way, shape or form. Um, all right. We, we've done our throwback segment. Uh, we're gonna go to a break and we'll come back and talk more. But, uh, first a word from the good folks at Postmates. From an early morning breakfast burrito to a full meal and a 12-pack, sometimes you just need to get what you need delivered and have it delivered fast. That's where Postmates comes in. If you're like me, you probably start thinking about what to eat for dinner while you're still eating lunch. I love food, and that's why I love using Postmates. They deliver food from every restaurant I can think, I can think of right to my door. But Postmates does not just deliver burgers and sushi. They actually make my life easier with grocery delivery and whatever I can think of delivery too. 
convenience stores, clothing stores, you name it. And that feels particularly important to mention right about now. So no more trips to the store, no more late night food, fast food runs, just rely on Postmates. Download Postmates on iOS or Android, find your favorites and get virtually anything you need delivered within the hour. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for the first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use and use the code LOCKEDONNBA. That's code LOCKEDONNBA for $100 of free delivery credit with no minimum purchase for the first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, just Postmate it. All right, Tyler, let's talk about some basketball again, um, some modern-day basketball. So, obviously, there's the whole uncertainty of when anyone will be playing basketball again. We'll save that for the end if we want to get back to it. But um, you've been talking about um, having some John Collins takes. and People, people are, uh, are eager to hear them because, you know, I did an, I did, I did some Collins talk recently. I did an episode with Ben Ladner when we talked about um, all, the, all of our player review stuff. But we had a Collins episode a couple of pods ago. Um, Collins has been in the news quite a bit as an extension possibility. Um, he's obviously quite good at basketball. I know you love him unconditionally. Um, unconditionally. But, like uh, my son. Where, where, where are you at? Because uh, every time that you respond to me about this on Twitter, um, I get somebody asking me what Tyler's going to say, when's Tyler going to come on. So uh, now Tyler's on. It's time. It's time for you to share your uh, – your uh, whatever you've been holding back on John Collins' this time. Well, he, here's the here's – the... The premise, the contract extension talks are coming down to the fact that John Collins probably wants the max and the Hawks probably don't want to pay him. I, you know, they don't, they, they, they don't want to give him the max. I, I can almost, I'm yeah, not they reporting that, but they don't want to give him the max. <laughs> so like here's, and what's, what's his max? Like 30 plus million? Yeah, it depends on, it depends on where the cap ends up landing and which is another big question mark, mark, mark now because of the weirdness about next season. But yeah, so, I mean, it would start about it would start about you know twenty eight to thirty and go up from there. So let, let's let's just assume pre COVID because it that number's almost certainly going to go down. But yeah, we're just gonna we're just gonna assume that for, for all intents and purposes that his max is around that that number. Um, the thing is, so the question becomes: Is John Collins a thirty plus million dollar basketball player? Right, and that's kind of an interesting question to ask. Um, and it starts with this. Like I was, I, like I said before, I was listening to a podcast and uh, Bomani Jones, and he did one where he was talking about Christian McCaffrey getting, getting his money, uh, become the highest paid running back in the NFL. And he broke it down as simply that the Panthers wanted to pay him. And that's why they gave him the money. And he compared McCaffrey's situation to Alvin Kamara of the Saints, where the Saints are, you know, they they kicked both Kamara and McCaffrey came into the league together. Um, they're probably similar caliber of football players. Uh, you could probably argue one is better than the other, but for the purpose of this discussion, it doesn't really matter. The Saints are almost certainly not going to offer them any type of money, uh, just because they don't have to. Like they're not in it. They're they're not in a position where they don't have to pay them, so they're not going to pay them. Yep. Um, whereas the Panthers, you know, they just let go of Cam Newton. They don't really have. He's their guy. A, like he is. Yeah, he's, he's clearly their guy. Their guy. So they're yeah. like, all right, we're going to pay him. And to me, I think that's what the situation John Collins is going through right now, where you can argue, you can make an argument that he and Pascal are at the very least similar caliber of basketball players. I know this is shocking to people for me to be saying this. <laughs> who don't watch John Collins play basketball, but. 
there are a lot of things on the floor, uh, particularly rebounding, finishing at the rim, and three-point shooting that John Collins is just simply but Like, John Collins is simply a better offensive player. Pascal is better on defense. They're probably equally equal caliber except for the fact that Collins is two years younger. But the Raptors, because they wanted to pay him, they had just won an NBA title, paid him, right? Yep. The Hawks, on the other hand, they haven't won 30 games in three years that John Collins has been employed for him. Have no incentive to pay him. He's not Trey Young. He's not a he's he wasn't a high lottery pick, so he didn't get the pre draft buzz. He's not That's you know, also a big factor too. Like him him not being a high lottery pick is actually making it harder on himself to get an extension because his cap hold is so low. Like it's so low. It's such a benefit to the Hawks for them to, to not, not do it. Like there's no Yep. So really the only reason to pay him will be if you want to pay him, right? If you if you want to say, all right, he's one of our two foundation, you know, he's one of our foundation pieces, and we're going to reward him for his exemplary pay because you, I mean, I mean, his career in Atlanta, he's done everything the Hawks could want, plus some. Like he's just yeah, been I mean, an he's, incredible. He's, he's obviously been better than anyone could have imagined him being at this point. Um, the team included, and they drafted him, so they obviously liked him. But I think if you gave Travis like true serum. And asked him if he thought John Collins is going to be this good in year three. He would he would say no, um, just because realistically, when you, when you when you draft a guy at nineteen, you can't imagine him being what John Collins currently is. Um, and it obviously, you know, he had the talent, and it's it's working out very well. He's he's obviously blossomed in a big way. But you know, it's it's that con it's that I don't know confluence of events that take us to this point, like you said, where it's the cap hold being low. He's playing really well. The suspension thing is kind of looming too. Like they were suspension mad about that. Thing is absolutely looming. Um, they were mad about that, it, and Trey's the guy. And Trey's obviously the guy. Like John the Collins guy. is and not going to be the guy. Thing. Yeah, Trey is obviously the guy, and that's where my I think my hot take is going to come in. Uh oh, Brad. I think I think John Collins just flat out better basketball player than Trey Young. Furthermore, I think the Hawks should look to change their offense to where John Collins is the featured player. Um, okay, hold on. Hold on. Stop, stop, stop right there. Yeah. Go yeah. back, go back two sentences, go back two sentences and tell you, you said now a year ago, mind you, like in the off season before this season, I was, I, I kind of got yelled at for this too, but I kind of said repeatedly that I thought Collins was the best player on the team at that I mean, moment. Clearly. Now I thought at that, and I, at that, at that point I thought it was pretty clear last last summer because of you know Trey obviously was the higher upside guy I get all that he was he really came on late in his rookie year I get all that too I think it was pretty clear a year ago that John was the best player on the team now saying that now is very different because Trey made the, another big leap and um was awesome this year so you, you think right now today Collins is a better player than Trey Young you're saying I just I, said that I can't say that I can't I can't I can't get that it's, Hard to say because Trey Young is such an exemplary playmaker. And I mean, yeah, it's not all about numbers. But if you look, I mean, it's hard not to look at Trey Young's numbers from this year and not laugh out loud. To be fair, it's hard not to look at John Collins' well, numbers and, and be I, like, "That's that's insane." That what is true, did. and I, I've been banging that drum quite a bit. I know, I know you know this, but like, I, you're higher on John than I am, which is saying something. But I've been trying to tell everyone that listens like how good John Collins was this season. Um, the improvement defensively too, and this is someone I was very skeptical of his defense. I, 
said that many, many times in many different forms. He made a big leap on that end of the floor this year, too, and had that ridiculous efficiency and played the way that he did. So I am definitely on the high end of John Collins' evaluation, around the league especially. That's something that's also important here, is that the league has not caught up on John Collins yet. I think well, that's yeah, very and, evident um, by the evaluations so, that are out there. So, yeah, that's and, part of it, too. Here's the, here's the thing. I don't want to argue with that straw man anymore. Because, quite frankly, if you watch 30-plus games of John Collins, you know how good of a basketball player he is. And I, I agree I, wow. and I agree with you. I'm, just, I'm talking about the perception in the league that Absolutely. I've heard. Like, even people that cover the league, people that are around the league. Like, I'm not Adrian Rojdorowski. I don't have that kind of sourcing. But I, I, know, I know people in the league. And I, I, don't, I don't think people outside of, you know, people like you and I that watch every Hawks game intently understand how good John Collins is. Like, even people that I think are really smart that cover the league, they're closer to where we are on John Collins, but they don't... Like, no one that's a national NBA writer watches all 82 Hawks games because they don't have time to do that, nor, at least right now. when Before the Hawks have been the last couple of years, like, you know, Zach Lowe has no incentive to watch 82 games of Hawks basketball. There's no reason for him to do that. So the people that pay attention, like Zach, understand a lot more how good John Collins is, but then there's this other level of people that watch like you know me and you and ben ladner and uh kevin and all these people that watch every single exact could all these people that watch every single game we kind of get it a little bit more so i'm glad i'm glad you brought up zach low because he, he wrote a piece i think last year about john or he wrote something about john where he's written about john a lot actually yeah yeah positive and he, terms and he talked about and he talked about how uh you know lloyd was praising john for his ability to score in his raw production numbers without having any plays called for him. And I think John was on the, on his podcast and he pushed back on that notion. He does. Where he was like, he does, he does, he does not, he does not like that at all. And, and Lloyd because, said that multiple times and John does not like that. Because <laughs> it, it infers that John gets his point by being a garbage man that he just basically cleans up. Like he sets the screen, you know, but the passer gets him open, right? That, that it's the past that, that is the reason why, John Collins gets open. You know, it's not yeah. or the play whoever made the play to get him open there. It's not John's ability to get open. Like he doesn't like because he doesn't dribble to get himself shots. I was going to say he, he because he's he's more of a play finisher and once you get tagged with that there's like this stereotype of it and I'm guilty of this too. Um, because that is John is a play finisher more than a play creator. That is just that's factual with how it's how it works. But he has a very like special skill set in doing that. Like he's not someone who just you know gets pure garbage stuff. Like Nobody you necessarily. Infer. I've never, Brad. I, I've been watching the Hawks for since 2003 intently. Uh, since the 2003 2004 season. Like nobody in the Hawks have has ever presented who consistently got himself open uh and then finished through advantage situations that he created like he oh no yeah he's, he's getting he's himself open like like his rookie season his rookie to sophomore season is one of the things like going back to the zach low podcast he was he was he was mad that he didn't get credit for becoming a better basketball player because a lot of the people who who vote on that were just like uh, really, the only thing you did was play more minutes. Yep. Like what? And I mean, it's functionally true. Like he played for a worse playmaker and Dennis Schroeder, but he still basically averaged twenty and ten 
um, per you know if you want. Oh yeah, his his numbers his, his his rookie numbers were actually good. Like and people didn't notice because of what you said. It was a situation thing. He wasn't starting. It was this kind of he was a third big kind of situation. He played he played a lot of center that year too. Like he was a low he was much more low usage, but the production was always there. Like it's just it's always and there. I, I and I want to and I want to start here. I, starts with John here. John Collins is the only basketball player in the twenty plus years that I've been watching the Hawks that during summer league his first week of practice he was getting buzzed where they were like oh john collins is dominating practice oh yeah they never they hawks media has never done that they've never like nobody who watches hawks practice or any who are who are pr people have never done that for a rookie where he just comes in like oh or even a sophomore right they they don't do that um I mean, it was it was hilarious. That this this is his second summer league. I was at his first one too and talked to him much that week. But his second summer league, you remember when they had him play again after his second after it after his rookie season? They played summer league again, and I I mean, it was like five minutes in a game one, and I was just like tweeting in all caps, like get get John out of here. He does not need to be here at all. And I know they wanted I wanted they wanted him to play with Trey, and that's why he played. But it was so apparent that he did not need to be there. <laughs> it was like, yeah. So, what, like, he, what are we doing? Like, he he's been good since he stepped onto a floor. Like, and he's good because he's he's just he's a like he reads the game so well on offense. Uh, and like, it's just his his uh, the pressure he put not merely just due to his ability to dive to the rim, which he's one of the best at, but it's also his cutting and just his general. Basketball IQ, like he understands spacing on the floor and where to position himself to put himself to succeed. And because he has such great touch around the rim, he will finish it as long as he gets it. Like as long as he catches the ball and he, he's in an advantage spot, it's an automatic two point. Um, and so like, and that's basically, that was basically John, his first two years. Then, then this third season, Brad, this is why, this is where I come with my, Bring it. you know, I, I actually think <laughs> not, not that, that he's even better than Trey Young is that, I mean, Trey has never had a stretch of basketball this good as what John did the last, what, 25 games. That no, he I mean, his, his numbers were preposterous, but yeah, I, I would agree with you just when you're talking about the fact that Collins, you can, people can argue rationally about his defense, but I think he was, average defensively this season maybe a little bit better if you want to factor in some of the versatility stuff uh even if we we'll, we'll call it average um when you factor in that that trey is trey is not average on the end of the floor um and yeah i, I think it's not crazy to say that john was better especially late in the year because trey for all of the he was really really good trey actually did slow down near the end people didn't really pay attention to that but his shooting kind of fell off a little bit it was always going to because he was so hot for a while there yeah but it, it did. If you just took that last, like you said, just twenty game sample, you could argue John was better in that sample. Yeah, sure, I'll take that. So, so here's here's the thing with John and his contract. He's clearly hurt by the fact that he was on a lottery pick. I think yep. if he got drafted by the Blazers, one, uh, the Blazers would actually have hope that they could potentially win a title because now <laughs> Dame Lillard and C.J. McCollum get to play with a big man who you know can finish above the rim and it isn't a stiff like Hassan Whiteside is, but, you know, doesn't complain, doesn't need the ball, does all the dirty work anyway, but still gets his points. Where now, like, you can't just trap Dame Lillard or you're going to, you know, like, 
I feel like John Collins is the player that the Blazers have been wishing that they've had. Instead, they chose Zach Collins for some reason. Um, thankfully, uh, for my sake. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, there were, there were multiple times that night, and you know, however, I'll try to be, I'll try to veil us a little bit for purposes of not getting myself in trouble. But there there were multiple times that night where I think the Hawks thought slash knew that John was not going to fall to them. Um, and they were not happy about that cause they, they always wanted him. Um, but they were, you know, I would say pleasantly surprised that John fell all the way to 19. They were not expecting that to happen. And you could tell even that night and Travis Schlenk is, uh, is a pro. He can, he can shield his emotions. He's uh, pretty good at it. You, you could kind of tell how happy he was that, that night, um, in the, in the room, even, um, just the fact that that kind of fell in their lap. And again, like it wasn't, he wasn't supposed to be a top 10 pick that night. But Collins, even good to 19, even even in the moment, was kind of a surprise. Like he was widely projected in like that 15 to 17 range, most of the most most spots, which isn't a huge drop to 19. But uh, they were really happy when he fell to them, like very very happy, and you could see why. Yeah, and so to go back, I know we're bouncing back and forth, but I'm just That's trying fine. to explain why I think the, it would be imperative that the Hawks, if they don't give him the max, at least give him something close to it. Um. It's the only way they're going to save money. It's the only way they're going to save money is they offer him somewhere. Maybe it's not the full max, but it's like they're going to have to offer him at the very least what uh, Jalen like Brown. Maybe, maybe, maybe what the, maybe they can argue what Giannis and Rudy did. John could sign those type of deals, twenty five mil a season flat. Yeah, it's it's basically the Jalen Brown deal from this last yeah. year. Like it's yeah, around yeah. there. It's it's not the max, but it's a lot of money. It's, it's not, a million it's not dollars. what Pascal. It's not what Pascal got, but it's a well, hefty sum. Here's my because, here's my question. I, I'll, I'll ask I'll ask you this because the number one sticking point on this, and this is something that fans don't care about, and I understand why. But the cap hold thing that I referred to earlier, John's cap hold is like. million. It's pretty low. And if the Hawks, here's the big thing that we don't know right now. At least I don't know for sure enough to talk about it. If the Hawks want to be max free agent players in 2021, not this summer, but next summer, if they think they can get a max level guy, whether that's a that's a pretty good max class, you got guys coming available like that's the honest free agency. If he becomes a free agent, for instance, it's not going to be honest necessarily, but there are multiple guys. Kawhi will be a free agent, Paul George will be a free agent. There are guys in that class that are actual max guys. Whereas th- this year there isn't anybody except for AD who's not going to come here. Um, everybody else is not a max guy in this class. But if the Hawks want to be, or at least want to pretend to be, free agent players in twenty twenty one. They have so much incentive to not pay John now, and they're because... gonna they're gonna have to express that to him. I mean, and that's what I mean. They're gonna have to express that to him. That's the number one thing that they should probably that. do right now. I mean, honestly, if I'm any negotiation, and there will be one, as much as like they can't talk now, technically, I'm sure they already are, but I mean, they can't. Yeah, they they're not supposed talk. to. What else are they? What what else? Are they I know. Talking about? I'm with you, but they're not supposed to talk to him yet about this. Anyway, um, that is because honestly. That is the number one reason why you would not pay him right now if you were the Hawks. Because there's also the risk factor. Like, there's a little bit of risk when you're paying a guy a year early. It's it's a very small amount because I think John's going to be durable and good for a long time. But there's a little bit of that. You're taking The team's taking on the risk when they're paying you a year early. But even if you remove that altogether, the number one reason why they would not pay him now 
is that cap hold versus what he's going to get. And that, because you're talking about that could, that could be 15, 17 million dollars in cap room difference. And that is not a small number. That's a lot of cap room. And that'll be the last time because if you're a Hawks fan and you're, and you're really happy about the rebuild and all that stuff, that is the last time in this rebuild that you're going to have cap room is 2021. Because then Trey's going to be making $40 million after that. And John's going to get paid yep. and whatever else, whatever else happens. That is your one shot. Because this summer, you could trade for someone this summer. That's possible. But it's, in terms of actually signing, like using free agent cap space to sign a max player, your one chance is 2021. If they don't care about that anymore, then you pay John now and you're kind of locked into that, which is okay in some ways, but they have a lot of incentive to not do it. And that's kind of puts you in that spot because if you're John Collins, and, and more importantly almost, if you're John Collins' agent, you don't care about that. You want to make nope. your, you want to make sure your guy your, your guy gets paid. <laughs> like you got to make sure your guy gets taken care of. And as I said before, the team taking on the risk a year early is risk that the player's not taking on. So if John, if John you know bangs a knee in January 2021 and hits the free agent market and it isn't healthy and, miss, and he's missed some time, now his market might, might be repressed. So there's this whole give and take. And obviously, you know, if you're John Collins' agent, you go into the negotiation and say, and put the basketball reference page on the desk and say, look at what my look at what my guy just did, and then you throw out the cap the the contract extensions for guys like Jamal Murray and guys like Jalen Brown, and talk about how much better John Collins was in year three than those guys were in year three, and how much money they got. I mean, That's it's going right. to be a it's going to be a tough pill to swallow when Jason yeah. Tatum gets the max and John Collins. And, 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 you know, everybody just, you know, Jason Tatum had a great stretch of basketball, too, during the same time frame uh, where he was making his three-pointers and was able to finally get to the rim and finish. Um, and he looked like the player we all thought, he, you know, what, what, you, what you would project of somebody of his talent level. Um, but it, it's going to be tough uh, if you're John, you're looking, you see that the two Boston guys got their money. Yep. When you know that if John was also on that Boston team, <laughs> he'd get his money too. And furthermore, they'd be a lot better because they could, um, like, Kyrie a lot. Like, I mean, a big reason why Kyrie left, if we're being honest, is because they really didn't have consistent finishers around the rim, other than him. Oh, that's uh, why. They, that's why they. That's why they drive Robert Williams. Finish. <laughs> they, they, they don't. They don't have anybody that does that kind of thing. No, they're really talented. Yeah. They have a lot of wings and all that stuff, but they don't have that. They don't. Have yeah, that but if guy. they had that, you know, Kyrie wouldn't be all angry all the time. Well, and that's a bit. I mean, we don't. We don't know that to be true. Ty- Kyrie's fair, Kyrie's Kyrie. but like, you but know, yes, I understand. No, it's that, it's really it, interesting it, to me because John, it's such a tough sell. For the team that I don't know what Travis says. Here's here's my here's my <laughs> thing on on John's side because from John Collins' point of view, he has been sacrificing a lot for this team. It's not they don't feature him. No, they didn't I mean start, not in the they way didn't that... start featuring him until this past stretch where he literally didn't miss a shot and he kind of forced the issue, like where they were forced to give him the ball. I mean, how many times have miss. you? How many times have you or I? Either in podcast form or on Twitter, talked about how John need to get needed to get more, like be more involved in the offense. And, and here's and th- and this is my point where I'm like, well, maybe the offense should revolve around John Collins, right? Um, due to his more consistent, like 
he's just a consistent bucket. Like I, he he doesn't miss from anywhere on the floor, which now includes the three point line. And yeah, the, if he, if his shooting from this year is real, um, and, and I think it's real Brad, to an extent, Brad, it doesn't need it doesn't need to be forty percent. He shot no, forty percent on that's what I mean. three yeah. plus shots a game. Like that's yeah, I think I think it's going to be like thirty seven. But even then, that's that's a real but, threat. It looks good. The mechanics are good. They all believe that it's real now. I mean, there was I was a, I mean I was a skeptic just because it just wasn't there previously. But now that it's you know it looks good too. If if you didn't know that John Collins was a non shooter in college, you would have no clue. Now he looks like someone who's been shooting threes for ten years. Like it looks great. It really it really does. And that that helps me to buy it a little bit more, just because again, like if you just watch him shoot. It looks like a shooter. It's not like a big man who's learned how to shoot. You know, it was the, Al Horford's a great example of this, where like Al became an automatic mid-range shooter. But if you ever watched Al Horford shoot just in an open gym, you'd be like, "Wait, that that, that doesn't look good." It never looked good. But he became he worked at it and figured it out. John looks like a shooter, man. It really he really does when he shoots. And, and this is and this is where this is where I, I think John is better than Trey Young now and could potentially be. I can't believe you're saying this, by the way. Just as a sidebar, I can't believe you're saying this. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, Brad. You know what else John sneakily improved on this season? His post-ups, particularly on mismatches, where he became an elite ISO post player. They don't do it it a lot at all. They don't do it. But but he, he consistently looks like somebody who will punish mismatches all the time if that's a feature of the offense. If if they go into the game like, all right, Trey Young, incredible shooter, Kevin Herter, incredible shooter, we're going to run these pick and rolls specifically to get Miss John Collins on a smaller basketball player so he can go to work. I think adding Clint Capella is going to help this. And I bring all this up because I'm like, it goes to how we how we talk about John, how how you know he gets he's gotten Amari Stoudemire call. Right where you know both elite finishers, yeah. though John's a better finisher than Amari. I, I do I, think that's probably honestly that's probably is my favorite comp for Collins. Like, yeah, I found a better one. I found a better one. I found a better uh, one, Brad. Uh oh, because it's it's the shooting. It's the shooting, and I was like, it's more know, like Amari, evolutionary Amari because Amari, Amari actually was really good at like 15, 17 feet. He just didn't shoot threes back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true, and Amari was a lot better. Amari was a better creator of offense ISO where he yeah. get to the free throw line. That's something John has shown. Like, and that's a, that's that. I think that's my frustration. Like, John has shown that he could do it, but because it's it's not featured. Like, they don't feature him on offense, and I think that's a big mistake. Like, I no, think he's, he's only Lord attempting out, like. Lori Pierce coming out and saying he doesn't run plays for John, I think is not a good look for him as a coach. Like, I think that's... He kind of, he kind I, of backed... By the way, he kind of backed off that, um, and I think part of that might have been the backlash to it, but he also kind of acknowledged more this year that they started to do that a little bit more. But he definitely said it more than once before that, so, I, you know, there's no defending that that statement. But I think they did kind of figure out that you... There's no... There's no reason to say that out loud. And also they need to like, especially when Trey was off the court, 
you know, there's no argument against running your offense through John Collins at that point in time. I get it when Trey's playing because Trey is still the guy. I mean, I'm and I'm I'm disagreeing with you on that. By the way, Tyler Tyler, I'm I'm I, I don't think you're crazy, but I do think that Trey is their guy, and I think Trey is better than John. I think now. Trey is their. I absolutely think Trey is their guy, and I think. And you could make the argument that Trey is better now, but that doesn't mean that's going to continue into the future because that's that's the comp that I came to. Like it, it came to me in a dream. I was like. Uh-oh. What is a big man that can shoot threes, punish smaller defenders in the post, and is just overall a beast on offense? Other than the greatest big man potentially to ever do that, which is Dirk Nowitzki. Brad, if John Collins is this caliber of shooter, then he's just Dirk, right? I mean, they're obviously very different players in how they did they're it. They're different how they get it, but a big part of Dirk and Whiskey's game is pick and pop three pointers. Yeah, no, I can do that. I think like for if, me, it's not even the shooting. Here, here's here's why I push back on that. Um, we've, I don't, we just we've yet to see. I'm not saying he can't do this. We've yet to see a world where John is asked to create his own offense in the way that Dirk always created his own offense. And John, John can do it. We've seen it at stretches. I'm saying as a primary, like, for instance, John Collins' usage, even this season, in his best year ever, was 22%. That's a pretty good usage rate for a power forward. That's a number two option. But, you know, that's not number one option kind of usage. And granted, it's because he's playing with Trey Young. I get that. But do you think that John Collins can be a guy who catches on the wing and creates his own shot? Against a mismatch, I think he can. Against I, a smaller, I'm a saying like regularly. I'm saying like because Dirk, Dirk was obviously the number one option on that team, and I'm, I'm I'm trying to go the whole way with the comp here. Dirk was the guy on that team, which is a little bit different, obviously, because they didn't have Trey Young. But Dirk was they ran their offense through him, and he pretty much was, you know, he was their number one option to create offense. It wasn't like Brad, he needed Brad, a mismatch. He just kind of went. He, was he always their number one option, though? Um, was Dirk and Whiskey always their number one option? Because here's the thing. He's a, in his prime, he was. Yeah, in his prime. But we're not, not talking early. about the prime. We're not talking about – we're talking about early. Okay. That's the thing. I'm talking about it. early right now. Sure. Because I, I was like, you know what? Is there any reason why John couldn't get better? The only thing missing from his game is really ball handling. Yeah, I was, right. was going to say that was my that was my next thing was like John does not handle the ball well now and by the way he's never he's never been asked to do that so I don't blame him for not handling the ball well but that's the one thing that you could certainly push back on if you're trying to poke holes in Collins and by the way Collins is awesome off- offense I'm not saying otherwise he's an awesome offensive player but if you're trying to find the evolutionary John Collins that might be the one where like he can actually you know, do a dribble move and make a move and get by somebody. He doesn't do that really right now. It's a lot of he does. He does puff and go like he, yeah. He has like one line, dribble he, moves. He has yeah, like he one, has one dribble move. He but it's not have, like he's he isoing and doing things like that. He's and again he's flashed some of that, but he hasn't done it not consistently, like you said. Yeah. But here's the thing: we talk. Everybody talks about John Collins like he's just finished project. He's yeah. 22 years old. When uh, Dirk Nowitzki was. When Dirk Nowitzki was 22 years old, you know what his usage percentage was? Because I got to look up right now. It was, Dirk was probably like what, like year three or four? In yeah, year three, yeah. 22 percent usage percentage. He wasn't the go-to guy yet, right? No. Uh, the funny thing is, 
John and Dirk had, and the reason why I brought the comp up was because, you know, per 100 possessions, John had, through his three seasons as an Hawk, you know, he shot around three threes a game at 37%. Uh, Dirk shot around five and a half threes a game at per 100 possessions at 37% as well. And I was like, my thought process is this. If John is this caliber of shooter, it's going to force teams to have to switch. It's going to force teams to play have, you know, play mismatched basketball against him because you can't leave John open from the three point line anymore. Like that's that's not an option. Like above the break, above above the break threes for the Hawks for John Collins is a great play. It's a great end of the possession. One of the best plays Hawks do is Trey uh, is on the inbounds where John's inbounding the ball. Trey sets a back screen. Um, for a big, the big rolls, somebody and John passes the ball to the to the side and then gets the ball back and makes the open three pointer because just because of all the action, like you have to account for Trey Young, you got to account for Kevin Herter, all that good stuff, and that just naturally leaves John Collins open, and it's like he's kind of automatic from that spot. And I want to see more of that I want to see John featured before we say that he can't be dirt in the whiskey. Can we at least try? <laughs> Can we try it? No, I'm. Can we? Because here, here, here's my point. If the Hawks are trying to win basketball games, like if they're actually, you know, everybody's like, we want to be a playoff team. Well, to do, if you want to be a playoff team, you have to consistently get good offense every possession, and getting John Collins open looks. There's no better offense than that. Um, yeah, the only I mean, thing with his efficiency, to get to the foul line. I was gonna say with, it. with his efficiency. Um, you know, it's very obvious that running things to him more often is a good idea. I, I'm not where I you want, are. I want it, like, no, but Brad, I want to. I'm not. You know, ultimately, this is me projecting. Like, I think he can. I think that's a that's a ceiling that I didn't think John had in him until he's flashed his shooting. Uh, now I'm like, well, if he can do that and he can punish mismatches, what if we featured him? What if we? What if the Hawks, like, you know, you watch the Pelicans. The Pelicans do a lot to get Zion the ball in ad- oh, yeah. advantageous situations. What if the Hawks did some of that? What if what if a big what if a big man set up screen for John Collins? Right? Yeah. You, you know, in order to get a switch. In no, order I, to do I've, something uh, else. Like, even on even on draft shows, like we I've been talking about the fact that even seeing what John can do as like a short roll passer and like a guy running dribble handoff stuff, that's kind of what I want to see from him too. Like they've not done a lot of that. And obviously he's so good and in pick and roll and they run so much pick and roll that I get it. That's, you know, Trey Young, John Collins pick and rolls are unguardable when you have shooting on the floor with him. Yep. So doing that as your primary offense does make sense to me, but letting, letting John do more on offense needs to happen. Especially when Trey's not on the court, like that's just—it's very simple. Like he—he's—he's he's very clearly. Even if you think less of him than, not even less of him than you do, but less of him than I do, he's still very clearly their second best player, um, and an awesome offensive player. So, at, at the very least, I think it would make a lot of sense to kind of see what else he can do as a growth guy. And listen, I was wrong on the on the evaluation of Collins. I didn't see him doing this much less what he could do beyond this. And, like, you're still higher than I am. You still think that he can do things that I probably think he can't do eventually. 
but it's not crazy to like think that he's gonna get better than this. Maybe not efficiency wise. His efficiency this year was so like comically good that you can't like project improvement on a sixty six percent true shooting. Like you just don't get better from there. I'm not no. saying that he's gonna do that do better on that, but there's still growth in well, other things like his it, passing he, can grow. Like if he adds getting to the foul line more, maybe who knows? Yeah, he's gotta get to the line more. I think he's gonna get to the foul line a lot more just due to the fact that he's gonna be playing a lot more minutes alongside Capella, who was a big man. That so the way teams guard John now is that they put their best rim protector on him just because of the fact that his primary role is as as of a dive man, so he's functionally a center. Um, and they smartly put him on because one no. Nobody John's size can really hang with him physically. There are only like two guys in the league. I think one is Giannis. The other is uh, my boy from Orlando who I'm blanking on. But those are basically it. The rest just struggle because John's just has an advantage over him strength-wise most of the time. And I think now that, you know, now with Capella, you have to put a you have to put your best center, I mean your best rim protector slash rebound on Capella, or he's just going to eat you alive on the glass. And I think that's just going to lend itself to John having more advantageous situations where he's going up against smaller guys consistently. You'll see his offensive rebounds tick back up again because he's he's going to be shooting more threes at the same time just due to the fact that he has that size mismatch. And that's being bigger than your man is the best advantage every NBA team has. Um, but you know, on each other. Like, if you're bigger and you're similarly skilled, you're typically a better basketball player. That's yeah. just that's just reality. And so, like, I'm I'm I I, I kind of grown more and more excited for this Capella calling. So I think I think it's going to force them in order to get John the ball because they're not just going to be able to run uh one four pick and rolls with John and Trey all all game. Not like with, they not have with Capella on the court. Doing. Not with nope. Capella on the floor. They're gonna have to find. And so that's going to force them to have to find other ways to get John the ball in order for him to succeed. And because he is, there's nothing he's shown that he can't do, and not not that he just can't do, uh, that he can't do well. Like he's he he wasn't just a great role man, you know. He was a great pick and pop big. He was a great, you know, ISO post score. Uh, he was great. I mean, really? the, only, the only the only thing that I can that I will that I will say that he doesn't do well on offense right now is pass. And and my and my thought was in this, and I watch I watch John when he tries when he tries to play make. A lot of it, he's very right handed in his playmaking. He doesn't. Yeah, he's he's just not a natural playmaker. He's never he's never he's done not it a natural. Before. But like there 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 he flashes he flashes when he's in advantageous situations. He'll he'll throw it to the to the corner. Yeah, it's like, not that he's incapable. Like I, that's, that's problem, something I want to point out. He's, it's not that he's incapable fold. of passing. The problem is twofold. One, he's such a good finisher. Most of the time, he'll just finish over two guys. And like, <laughs> it's, really, it's really true. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like he he he's in a he he puts himself in such good positions all the time that why you know making the pass isn't the right basketball decision if it's an automatic two points for you, right? Like it's just not. Right. It's not, I mean, it's, not, it's it's different from when Al Horford used to do it. Where Al Horford, you know, people used to cry about Al Horford passing, um, to the open corner all the time when it was a great play. And oh yeah, I mean, Horford's not as explosive as John is. 
Like no. he's just not. So it, it, it's more honestly for me, it's not even about that he can't pass. It's more that I think one of the reasons why the Hawks do not put him in more situations like dribble handoffs, things like that, is that they don't know about his playmaking yet. They're not he's not done it and there's it's sort of catch twenty two, like they haven't let him show it and he hasn't shown it. So it's like, which one is it? But I, I do think that there, that's one of the reasons why he's not featured more. Like, is because, you know, coming into the league especially, that was not part of his package. Like, if you ever watched him in college, there was no passing. Like, he, he didn't do that. And that wasn't, he wasn't asked to do it either. But he was kind of a, you know, very traditional, you know, he got his numbers and he got them efficiently and was still a good player. But it wasn't this offensively. And I think... They've let they've had him broaden his, his broaden his horizons offensively already, and he's done a great job with that. That's the next horizon, though. Is like, can he like be more of a linchpin? Because right now, the, obviously, we talked about this ad nauseum. Now, the the value he brings as a as a dive man, as a shooter, now as an offensive rebounder, et cetera, et cetera, is like you know well documented. Now it's are a are they going to let him do more? And b you know does he have that? Not that he's ever going to be a, a He's, not, he's never going to be Jokic, Jokic as a passer, but can he do a little bit more of that short roll passing? Because now that he's playing the four more often, like he's going to have to. He's going to have I mean, to. He's just simply that, going to have to. Just that's one of the questions. Like I think you and I don't have floor. Right. I, I think you and I um, have fewer questions about how it's going to work offensively because we we trust John's offense more. Um, for me, it's defensively, and we'll, that's another podcast altogether that we'll do later. But. I'm more confident, and I, and, I, and I obviously know you are. I don't worry about the offensive fit at all with those guys. I really don't because of and you know a year ago, a year and a half ago, I might have worried a little bit more. But with, with Collins being able to shoot the way he is now and be more comfortable with the ball in his hands than he was coming into his career, um, I think it's going to be fine. I really do offensively. And here, my my thing is this: I think his playmaking will improve when the players around him are better. That like, would be helpful. Just, period. Yeah. Um, I mean, having wings, where, where having wings will help everybody. Try, <laughs> he'll try to make a play where he'll try to make a play. He'll pass it off. Um, and, you know, a lot of it was Bruno just not, you know. Well, by the Bruno, way, it, it, it also applies zone. to Trey. The same thing applies to Trey. Like, as, as good as Trey was, Trey will be more effective when you have wings Bunches. that are better. Like, yeah, and shooting. Like, you, we can like – I, you know, I – you know, Ben Ladner, he's been a breath of optimism in regards to Herder and Hunter, where I'm now I you know, I'm 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 a bit happier about their future projections. Good. Um, you were getting you, were, you were, it was getting to a dark place with you like two months ago on those Well, guys. they were so uh, I know. Well, the another frustrating podcast, thing but. here's here's the frustrating thing. Here's the frustrating thing with that. Um and I think I've said this multiple times. Trey Young and John Collins are ready, so ready to win now, but the rest of the team isn't, and so and they built the team like they weren't ready to win. Um, yeah, and so and so it looks bad when you see how good Trey and John are playing, but their team is, you know, they were. Be- I mean, they were they're about a thirty win basketball team more or less. Um, yeah, I think a little bit better than that at, at full health, slight, but... slightly better, but. But yeah. still, like, you know, not a good team, even though those nope. two guys are putting up all, you know, all it's kind of it's, it's honestly kind of hard to be as bad as they were with Trey and John being as good as they were. But, I mean, <laughs> that, it just speaks that, you know, 
Everybody else is bad. So it's just what happens. Is bad. Half the I mean, team weren't NBA players, and the other guys just aren't ready to win consistently now. Like they're just not ready to win. Like right. That. It, it was a mix. It was a mix of guys who are not good, and a the other and the guys who are really talented are first and second year players that weren't ready to go yet. That's kind of what it came down to. Like and then they you built have this Trey roster. Young and John Collins right. You have these two guys who level. are star level players offensively already, and I yes, I include John in that, especially offensively. I think he's a star level player. Um, you have those two guys, and then you know even guys that I, I know you love Cam Reddish. I like Cam Reddish quite a bit. You know, I still I, I still believe I still believe in Hunter and, and Herder too. But those guys, yeah. you know, Cam by the end of the year maybe, but those guys were still like not very good NBA players this year on the whole. And so, like I think. Like, I think, I think you're right. And my thing is, is that, you know, it was a mistake, you know, in hindsight that the Hawks decided to punt on this season and not sign quality veteran basketball players, like good basketball players uh, to pair alongside Trey and John, because that's what, that's what good basketball, like, that's why I'm not concerned with Capella and Collins fit because they're both good. And if you got good basketball players, they tend to figure it out. Yep. Paul Millsap and Al Horford didn't actually have – they were kind of the same basketball player more or less. They didn't really – you know, they didn't really exemplify – you know, they didn't they didn't mask each other's weaknesses and they didn't strengthen each other's strength, but they were both good, and it worked great. Like, you could say the same for Josh Smith and Al Horford before then, where – those guys you know, just they're just good i mean being you know, good they were, they were they were small they were small and they you know they we, they consistently lose possession battle on a game to game basis but they were so much more talented than the right. team they were playing just with those two guys playing every game you know playing. it's actually it's actually a good point overall to that i'm probably falling into this trap as well like fit does matter but at the end of the day having good players is just very helpful like fit is a something that really matters at the highest levels, especially. But Capella is a great example. Like the biggest discussion point when they traded for Capella was how is it going to work with Collins, rather than Clint Capella is really good at basketball. And the difference between Clint Capella and the guys he was replacing is basically the ocean. So I don't know. It's just I, I get it. And we did it, and I was more positive than most people were on the fit between Collins and Capella. But, like, even if you didn't love the fit, Clickapella's good. Like, Clickapella is immediately your third best player. Immediately. Like, the minute he plays his first game, he's your your third best player. Now, obviously, you're hoping that Reddish and those guys jump him. But, like, if if you assume Clickapella is healthy right now, today, he's he's your third best player. Like, it's not even a discussion for me. So... It's just he's good. Like he's like a top fifty guy in the league. He's he's a good player. It's just what. It yeah, is. and that, and that's my that's my thing. Now the Hawks have three guys, top fifty, and you know, they might even be top forty depending on you know. Yeah, how you your want my, your mileage like, may vary. You're, you're, you're cutting hair. You're cutting hairs. They're, right, they're Capella. I mean, you you could say you could say fortieth or sixtieth, and like the feeling is the same. He's still good at basketball. Like it's it's yeah fun. exactly, and that's something that the Hawks just haven't had more than you know and now you know they're going to have a free agency where they're they're going to be in the driver's seat to sign good role players to help you know you know exemplify joe Joe harris baby come on down Joe harris is 
I mean, we I talk about Joe Harris all the time, but like Joe Harris, John Collins picking roles are going to be. I mean, you know, Joe, John Collins setting the screen for J- Joe Harris. You know, you know, just that action with Trey Young with the ball in his hand, that action off the ball. That's something the Hawks have not had ever. You know, since Kyle <laughs> Corporate left. Like, and yep. they need that. Like, this team needs that. They need that level of gravity on the perimeter beyond just Trey Young. And you know, Herter is a good shooter, but he's he hasn't shown that he's capable of coming off a screen and, and just rising up and knocking it that down. Is, that is his, uh, that is Kevin Herter's next frontier. And uh, that's the, I if, mean, you're a, if, you're a, if you're a Hawks a, fan, you're hoping that this uh, pandemic alleviates a bit and uh, Kevin can get in the gym and start doing, and start watching Kyle Corver film. That's what you want from Kevin oh, Herter at this point. Man, that's, because, that's, I mean, it's not. Because if you want to be charitable, here's the thing about, and we'll, we'll, we'll get out of here soon, but here's the thing about Herter. If you want to be charitable, his first offseason, he didn't have one because he couldn't do anything. He was hurt. And then last year, he had the weird knee thing. Yeah. So maybe it's just that he's got to get an offseason in. And I, I don't believe that necessarily, but that, that's possible. I think he's going to have to figure out some things. And he's a supporting yeah. beast. But, um, he, he's got he's to change his mindset. But speaking of player. like youth overall, I mean, you talked about how young Collins is. I think people just in general are forgetting how young guys like Herder and Hunter actually are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like they're, they're they're twenty one and twenty two, and and Hunter yeah. Hunter's twenty two, but Hunter also played at Virginia, which is like the least NBA system imaginable, and people just like forget that this happened. But he went from playing pack line, walk the ball up the floor system, and he had a red shirt. Like he's a I know he's twenty two. But he's about as young of a 22 as you can possibly be in terms of like being ready to play in the NBA. So, you know, these guys are really young. Like they, they're not. No one's a finished product. Even Trey, who is obviously really good and probably looks closest to what he a finished product would be, he's still got stuff he's, that he's going to get better at doing, like moving off the and, ball and, and this. Defend. And this is my thing. Like you, you sign a Joe Harris. You got that. You know, you have you have actual movement off the ball that Trey Young has to pay attention to. Whereas before, you know, it's just really Herder and Hunter standing around. Not because because they're not, not good finishers at the rim, they can't get there off the dribble. The only way they can score efficiently and effectively is if Trey Young sets them up. That's it. And like Yeah, they, I mean there, there's helio there's heliocentrism. Like there there's a lot of teams that are doing this now. But the Hawks, you could probably argue the Hawks need Trey Young as much as any team needs any single creator with how they've done this. You know what I mean? Like the only way they could score is that way. And they, they wanted, they wanted, you know, Herder to flash more ability to get to the rim. And he just hasn't shown it. No, he has not. And it's compounded by, he just doesn't move off the ball. Like he's, he's his movement off the ball is pretty bad. Like, I mean, my thing is with Herder is like, he should be looking at Duncan Robinson. He should be, pissed that he's better than him that Duncan Robinson is better than him should be pissed go, he, go blue, go blue though. way more talented basketball player than, than Duncan Robinson I mean Duncan, Duncan Robinson mean, all you need to know about Duncan Robinson is he is that he was playing division three basketball four years ago five years ago division he's a, he's three a, basketball Herder is a much more talented basketball player and I think he can be an equally caliber shooter but he has to like he has to actually work at it like he's got to like he's got to accept that, you know. I mean, I don't want to get into that, but it's just like her. Her to just have to. We'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do all that later. I promise. But like the, but, the but, overall... me, but but my thing is with Joe Harris, you know, coming off screen, 
now now you have you know you've got an, like that's something Trey has to pay attention because if Joe Harris is open off the screen, he's got to get in the ball, right? That has to happen. That's going to lead to a lot more ball movement for this team, you know, and maybe a lot less belly aching from guys who complain that Trey just does everything. You know, <laughs> nobody else can. Nobody else has shown an ability to do anything except for John Collins. Who John Collins is the only basketball player I will I will say. All right, John's got a point to be griping that Trey is doing too much. But even John but even open. then, but even then, it's it's hard to do that when you average twenty one and ten or something. Like yeah, yeah, it's it's tough. And Trey's diming him up all the time. And like right, I, I'm not saying John. I don't. I don't. I think John loves Trey. Like I think he he, he should for sure. I mean, like I, I, you and I both think that Collins would be producing regardless because we we saw him do it before Trey. But there is no question that. Trey helps everyone, and he especially Absolutely. helps Collins. <laughs> like, and Collins is the is. only one. And Trey probably loves, like, Trey, I mean. Collins helps Trey, too, Trey. by the way. I love Trey. He's clearly kind of, he's young. I put it that. Like, he's, he's very he's young, young, but I mean, Collins helps him, too. Like, that's the thing about, it's not, it's not, what's not one way. Having an elite pick and roll guy is really, really good for a point guard. I know Trey Young is awesome, and he he you know he he's still the guy um, for them on offense. But it's very helpful, and now he has two of them because Clint Capella is really good at pick and roll, like really yep. good. So now you you should have basically a elite pick and roll dive man on the court at all times when Capella is healthy. Like that's really good for an offense and really good for a point guard. So I don't know. There's all kinds of things, and we can talk about this stuff till we're blue in the face. But overall, I think you're. Uh, your, your Collins point is has gotten across. Um, I, I probably call this we could probably call this the John Collins podcast, but it's uh, he's really good. He's really underrated, and um, I, I still think that they're not going to pay him this summer to bring it all full circle, just because of all the things involved between the pandemic and the cap hold and everything. Yeah, I would guess so I would guess they're not going to pay him. now, but we'll uh, see. With addition, if he's uh, willing to take a discount, then they might pay him. I, you know, I would be I will be. I'll say I think I've said this before, I'll say it again now. I will be stunned if the Hawks give him a market value extension this summer. Like if they give him a hundred million dollars, I'll be surprised. Like very, very surprised. The only thing is that if they don't do that, they risk alienating the yeah. only emotionally mature basketball player, you know. Yeah, no, you don't wanna get him lost. Right. I think the uh they're it, this, he, is unfor- this is thing, unfortunate thing, for John, but I think there will. I think the Hawks will probably. If I'm put myself in that room, I think the Hawks probably have to bring up the suspension and hold it over oh, his yeah, head a little bit yeah, and yeah. be like, "Hey, John, we we love you, but like you screwed us on this, and we're not. You know, that's not that's not that's not not well. It's not it's not why we're not paying you, but like you, it's it's harder for John to pull what you just said. And I agree with you by the way. I think John is a smart guy who is mature. But it's harder for him to like play that. Has card. he ever gotten a tech? Like, uh, I don't know. I don't it's, think he uh, has because it, it's shock. Like, no, he just runs back. I mean, he'll he'll yeah, he'll, he'll, it's he'll shocking that John he just plays. He plays so hard, and that's the that's the first thing I said about him when he was like first coming in, like his rookie season when he was playing, you know, a little bit, not not a ton, starting by the end of the year, all that stuff. John Collins plays so hard, like his 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 engine runs at all times. It runs in the preseason. I've like made joking tweets about how they need to get John off the court in fourth quarters because like he's just not going to stop playing hard. 
Like they'll be down 30 and he's like going up over two guys for rebounds. And I say, John, don't do that. Don't, don't stop. Please don't do that. And now, and now I'm going to, now I'm going to gripe about the, his perception uh, that he's not a winning player because he plays hard all the time. I'm like, I don't, I don't understand. You know, I feel like, you know what it is though. It's it's but, just but it's like, just because of his it's, it's, it's just not, because of defense. It's, it's not empirically true though. Like no, I'm with you. It's the not. Hawks I mean, only win when John Collins is playing. They don't they don't win basketball games. If John Collins is not playing, if he's hurt or if he's suspended or whatever, they don't win. Like there's these last two seasons, the difference between when John Collins is on the floor compared to when he's out. I was gonna say it's, two it's years ago. Even, two years ago, he had easily the best net rating on the team in his second season. Like they were like they were like a almost a league average team when he played, and they were dreadful when he left. This year it was a little bit less stark, but still they were much better when he played than when he when he was sitting. His defense got better. Um, you know he just doesn't. You know at the end of the day, to wrap this whole thing up, he doesn't fit in that neat little box. Like because he's because he's not a center. If John if John did everything that he did now and was if John were tall, European, if John were European. <laughs> We'd be having different discussions. I'm not sure it's oh. that. I mean, it could be, I guess. No, I, but I, I think, I like, think, if, you, think if he was 6'11". I think that, like, we just discount his shooting. No, I agree. Like, I, feel I mean, like that, a lot it's of underrated. Just flat out, like, they, they, everybody discounted, like, everybody discounted his shooting his rookie season when he was trying it. And I was no, like, it's, it is, I, I fully agree with you that his shooting is undervalued, especially nationally. Like, I think that it's fair to point out that he shot 40.1% this year from three. That probably isn't real. I think it's probably like more like 37. But I even mean, then, that's really valuable, man. 37% is really good. He's listen, a, it, he went through a 27-game stretch where I think he shot 50, 50% from three. And, the, and that's why so, I think it's not real. Like, cause nobody, he's not going to do that. It's just not. He, yeah, not that, but he might be a 40% shoot. Like, it's if not you impossible. have the talent to do that. No, it's not impossible the, at all. If you no. have the talent to just shoot. Fifty percent, right? On a no, twenty-plus game sample, I'm with you. I think the shooting is real. I and and because of the, I think the whole, the league, not catching up to Collins is twofold. I think people that are smart. I'm talking about people that are smart. I don't care about like casual fan in Phoenix. I don't care about that guy. I talk about people that actually watch the league nationally. I think the two things that people have not figured out just yet on Collins are the shooting, which you just said. And number two is the defense got a lot better. Like, is he perfect defensively? No, he's really not. But he's no longer the guy he was in year two when it was like, what in the world is happening? Why is he not? Why he? Why is he not blocking any shots, getting any steals? You know, why is he playing so that's passively? Funny. Is it? He's, is just, it he's just better. He was hurt. Is yeah. it possible he was hurt? Um, he was for most of that year until I mean, he had the, he had the ankle break. at the beginning of the year. Yeah. I mean, it's, he was not, because he was not you, I mean, you look at the numbers, he was a different basketball player post all-star break on defense. Where... And he's still, he's still, honestly, he still is a guy that you have to worry about a little bit defensively. And part of that is just the way the league is right now, because especially if he's playing power forward, you know, he's a very traditional power forward defensively in a league that doesn't have a lot of traditional power forwards anymore. Like he's he's he, you have to either have him be a primary rim protector, which he probably is not great at, or he gets put in situations where he's having to guard small ball fours, and it's all this stuff about. His, I mean, again, I think his defense came a long way, and I worry about it less. 
But that so that that's what I'm saying now. Like people think that his defense is to still me, what it was in year two, and it's not. Here's the thing. I I think that that concern is valid, but I think it's it misses that he's he 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 was a pretty good help defender. Um, no, that is his. Honestly, season. he's he was good on help side. The the thing I worry about now is when he's actually in the action. Like pick, yeah. his his pick and roll defense is bad. It is. It is. Like it is. It is. And that's that that's a problem. But and honestly. Here's the other thing about this that's a low-key... I think people know this, but I think you would hear a lot less about John Collins' defense if he wasn't playing with Trey Young. Yeah, that's the problem. Like Because every, everyone says... Every, and this is probably right, just for the record, but everybody says, look, when you have Trey Young, you can't have a weakness in, the, like, in a big man on defense. And I totally get why you're saying that, because it actually probably is true. It's just that John is a little bit better than people think he is. But that is the problem with having Trey. And obviously he's really good. But that I think you would hear a lot less about oh, well, John Collins. Well, it's I a mean, big, it's a big John, problem. If John played on a better basketball team. That's what I mean. We like, wouldn't even be talking about his defense. He'd probably be no. considered a good defender. Like and, part of, and part of it is that he I came mean, in the, the league. Way people, the way people talk about John's defense, I find laughable because they, they talk about it in like Kevin Lovish terms. No, it's and I not. find that to be nonsense. Yeah, it's or honestly, it, it goes back like, all the way. He's a way better defender than Mark Stoudemire ever was. Ever. It, it goes, it goes Mark back Stoudemire all the way. wasn't near the rebounder that John Collins is on defense, like no. flat out. I'm telling and you, it, it goes, it goes all the way back to the draft because he was so bad in college. He was. It was so bad. The tape was so bad and everyone pointed it out. And when and when people think that of you coming into the league, it's hard to erase that perception. Like even Ben Simmons, and, like this is this is this is hilarious. Until like a year ago, people were like worried about Ben Simmons' defense because he because he didn't try in college. Like Ben Simmons is a terror on defense, but because he didn't try it in college, people were like, "Well, big question about his defense." And it's like, "Well, but, no." And you know what? This original perception of him frustrated me to no end. Even when they drafted him, Brad, I was like, my biggest concerns with any big men is are they slow footed and do they hold up physically? Because if they're not either, then you can learn to be good on defense. Like that can be learned. Like defense is not as natural to him as it is on offense. Like that's clear. No, it's not. But he was, he was a young, like he was young. He, he was drafted as like a night, 20 year old. Like I don't, no, I think he was only nineteen. I think he, he was nineteen, drafted. but no, I mean, and I'm guilty of this honestly because I I watched the tape in college and it was terrifying. I mean, so it's I, fair. I am. I mean, it's I am, fair, but like, I'm guilty of this. But it's but, one of those things where because he was an unheralded prospect, nobody knew where he came. Like he came out of nowhere. He's a guy who came out yep. of nowhere. He was a four star prospect out of Florida who went to Wake Forest, and his sophomore year had one of the best, you know, college basketball seasons. Uh, for a sophomore in, in NCAA history, you know, but he was unknown. Nobody's seen him before. Uh, in high school, he was just this, he was kind of a chubby kid. He lost a lot of weight. Then his explosion came and like he turned into a different basketball. Like functionally, he became an NBA player. Functionally, to a lot of people's eyes overnight. So they evaluate him in the sense that how he plays is that he's a finished prod- product. Because like, you know, for for whatever reason, only certain guys are able are given the credence that they'll improve. Laurie Markkinen is given the credence that <laughs> one day he can be better than what he is right now. But John Collins, when he stepped onto the floor, even though he was dominating, everybody was like, "Uh, he can't really get better than this." Right? Yep, so that, 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 that brings that's that, the, that's, that brings that's it full circle too. That, 
to the Josh thing we talked about at the very beginning. Can't, simply cannot be better than what he is right now. And I find that to be ridiculous. Because there I think are you're, a uh... bunch, there are a bunch, like, to me, the big men who are elite finishers and elite three-point shooters don't exist. It's basically Carl Towns and John Collins. And, Carl, and John Collins is a better finisher than Carl Towns, though Towns is, you know, Towns is the featured player. He's a, Town, and Towns is the best shooting center of all time. Of all time. Of all time. So, uh, but yeah, but, I'm with you. But it's like, you know, how about we feed, like, how about instead of, you know, treating him like the 19th pick in the draft, why don't we, we treat him like, you know, he's an all-star caliber basketball player that he is, and you feature him. And that, that gets to my point was like, well, if you put him in more position, like if you put him play, him, play him alongside better basketball players, and this is my point where I brought up the Blazers. I was like, if you play for the Blazers, he would have played for a good basketball team, and he would have helped their biggest weaknesses that they've had, which is another guy to, you know, do something like just do something on offense, just be consistent scoring. Like that's something they don't have importantly. I think he would have been that third player that they, they've been looking for. And then they, you know, they could have potentially done something with that instead of what they got right now, which, you know, it's, you know, regardless, that's, that's a blazing podcast, but <laughs> like to me, I'm like, why can't John get better? He's only 20 two years old and he's shown consistent growth like my thing was again he showed that he's gotten better in the post like that's objectionably true like he, he's shown he can now punish mismatches how about we now feature that right combine that with his three-point shooting which you know for the totality of his career he's a 37 percent three-point shooter like totality like and that that's just funk that's factually true like there's you can't argue with like at this point you like for his position for a four, even for a power four that's good. Yeah, and then you add but you add to the fact his elite finishing, his ability to uh, roll his elite dive man abilities, like and his offensive rebounding. Which <laughs> I mean, there are nights, Brad. Brad, there are nights where he just deletes a basketball team. Like the Celtics, every time the Hawks play the Celtics. Hawks and Celtics play each other. The first thing that becomes apparently clear is that they have no answer for John Collins because they can't they can't keep him off the glass. They can't stop him from from finishing above the rim. And you know Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are too small and too weak to really handle him. And Daniel Tice isn't that strong strong enough to handle him either. So it's like he kind of works them, but they don't feature it when they play each other. And so they go they go in these ruts where they're not scoring. Because they're they're trying to beat you know they're they're doing all these other things they're doing these Kevin Herter picking and rolls doing these DeAndre Hunter picking rolls Trey Young trying to do everything and it's like how about we simplify the game a bit for everybody yeah like our our, our offensive game plan be we're gonna get John the ball because we know if we get it if we get it to him he's gonna score so how, like instead of it instead of it being you know we're not running plays for him. We, you know, Trey's still the guy, but the the game plan is to get John the basketball in, you know, in in areas where he can score. And since he's such a, he has such a variety of ways to score now. I think you know, hopefully next season, if there is, if there is a next season, you know, 
know, they they <laughs> they look to feature that. And yeah, no, I, I, I think I think you're uh, I think you're right, and I hope I, I think they're gonna use him more. I think they will hopefully use this extra time to dive in a little bit on that. But uh, I think we are. Uh, we're dug in. You are obviously a uh, one of the leading John Collins supporters in the world. Somebody got it. Somebody got to do it, man. Um, no, no. I, I I hear too many podcasts where I got to hear people talk about John not a winning player. Or... No, there there is some there is some national stuff that makes me want to hang up <sighs> sometimes. Oh, we, so and, 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 I'm, and I'm not even I'm oh, not even. Obi is going to be a better <laughs> offensive player. Oh, he yes. got such a variety of skills. You know, he did in the eighth. Bleeping ten, like get the at twenty, man, dog. Like I, I think every time gonna be a good offensive player, but uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not on, not on board like that. So, um, keynotes, John Collins is good, and uh, I think they're not gonna pay him, but we'll see if they do, and eventually they will. I think they will eventually, but we will see what happens. Tyler, uh, we've gone long as always. Please uh, plug yourself. I know you tweet about basketball sometimes, and uh, uh, you'll, you'll be back again whenever we get bored. Uh, I guess, you know, if there's some hope that there's a, there's a, maybe if they return to the season or a new, like there's a plan going forward, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely be talking about the Hawks right now. It's Final Fantasy VII Remake and you can, <laughs> um, have my takes at Jonesy2x4. Follow if you don't want to be spoiled, um, I haven't posted anything too spoilery, um, uh, with that game, but just want to say on this podcast, like it's one of the greatest games I've ever played, and I'm having a blast. And I can't believe, I can't believe this game is real. That that's, I guess that's the only thing I'll say about that. Um, but again, you can get all, all that video games, anime. Sadly, no sports. So I don't know if you're not into those two things. Unless you want to hear every once in a while me get mad about, you know, other stuff that I'm not going to bring up on this podcast. Uh, Thank you. You know, you follow me at Jonesy2x4 on Twitter. Yeah, and uh, whenever I say something on a podcast that Tyler doesn't like, he'll tell me on Twitter, and you can laugh. Absolutely. Being, right? Absolutely. So there, there you go. Uh, thank you, sir, for joining me. We will do this again. Um, I yeah, don't know. next time it'll be the Cam Reddish show. Yeah, we'll do. Uh, my, my maybe, second, maybe we'll just do deep dives song. on every single podcast. I, mean, I know uh, Ben and I are doing these uh, player reviews, but uh, we'll kind of just double down. I think on a couple of other guys. So I, we'll get into that. I, just, just to say, like I. I'm 100% lockstep with Ben Landner saying that Cam Reddish was the most fun um, player to follow this season. Yeah, um, I think that's, even uh, though, that's right. Even though I enjoy Trey, like, all, all, like it may seem like I'm down on Trey Young. I'm not. Like, he's, oh, no, no one would accuse you of being down on Trey Young, I don't think, hopefully. <laughs> there are some nights where Trey Young has it going, and it, I'm just laughing how stupid good he is. Um, but, um, yes, I think. But that all aside, but like just watching Cam Reddish growth this season was legitimately fun and it made the season actually enjoyable. So we will talk more about Cam and uh, Trey and whatever else because I have a feeling at least the Hawks will, will not be playing basketball again for quite some time. So we'll have we'll have some free space to talk about basketball because the Haw- even if they play, I uh, I am on the record that the Hawks will not be playing. They're going to do the playoffs if they if they do anything at all. So we'll see what happens. But thank you, brother, for doing this. And uh, as for everybody else, please subscribe to the pod, and we'll see you guys next time.